All right. Here we go. Are you ready? So, David, um, we're going to talk about yet again, kind of a dark topic, aren't we? But we're just we're just hitting the people with the joy. Wait, the joy, joy, joy not- feeling down in my heart. Where? Last week was not. <laughs> well, what I mean is. Last no. week was not a dark topic. Let me rephrase. It, it was it, only dark for you, Jim. It was. I mean, I was I was crying. I was giddy. You were <laughs> at my. I was rejoicing with those who weep. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I, yeah, you're right. But today we're going to go even deeper into the hole and talk about depression and anxiety. <laughs> so and we're going to do it in a funny way. Hey-o. We're going to make fun of it. No, we're not. I'm, I'm kidding. Women who are pregnant or may become pregnant may not want to uh, listen yeah. to this. And everyone else who has uh, emotions <laughs> yeah. probably should people. Yeah, yeah. also people. <laughs> Well, uh, in light of this, we are going to, for our intro, we are going to, um, we're going to do a little thing, a little, a little ditty, a bit, as they say. Um, our topic today is depression and anxiety. And I looked up a famous comedian named Mitch Hedberg, right? Hedberg? 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 Hedberg. 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 You said that's fun to say. Now I'm saying it's fun. So uh, he, uh, I don't know if anybody of our, li- how many of our listeners are familiar with Mitch Hedberg. He passed away a bit ago, but he yeah. was known for being really uh, socially anxious. He was a socially anxious guy, cripplingly so. Although it didn't stop him from standing in front of a stage. Well, here's the deal. Standing I, on a stage. Standing on a stage. In front of a people. In front of a people. Well, what I did, I did a little bit of reading on him just because I was a little bit curious. You turned me on to him, by the way. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy is so good. Yeah, what we're going to do here, it, you, should, you should still YouTube him because yeah, it's may- going to be so much better. Maybe a complimentary link. We'll see. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some crudity. I'm just afraid. Well, there's that, and I'm also just afraid. Most of it is probably uploaded illegally, and if I link to something in two ah. weeks, it might not still be up. He uh, suffered from crippling social anxiety so much so that sometimes when he would go on stage, he would perform with his back towards the audience. Are we still talking about Mitch Hedberg? Yeah, we are. Oh. <laughs> At Jim Briggs, no. Um, um, and he wore sunglasses a lot when he performed. That's for a reason because sometimes. He would do his his bit with his eyes closed. Oh, because he was that's so terrible. A little bit like Casey Neistat. It, who? What? Ah, uh, never mind. He he wears sunglasses. I'm learning my lesson. He... I can't bulldoze over your references. It's so true. I'm paying for you it on social media. You missed an S1E1, as you would say. Apparently, I did. So I'm trying. I need to stop and stop just moving past your your cool references. Although Sarah says I need to stop bringing it back around. Like I'll make a joke. And then you'll ask me a question of like, come on, I made a joke. <laughs> she says, you need to stop that. You know, <laughs> I need to be better. I need to provide more. I need to be better co-host. I we both need to be better. I think that's the, that's the theme of this show. Topic. Well, anyways, Mitch uh, Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. So this guy was, was crazy, crazy anxious. He has a certain way of delivering his jokes. And Stoned? I, I learned, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned why. Although he said that he, he wasn't stoned on stage. Sometimes he was, David. He said that maybe earlier on in his career, one of the things that he said, he, he drank before he went on stage. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But he said that if he did drugs when he was on stage and he made a joke and people didn't laugh, it would get a lot scarier. (laughs) (laughs) Now he said this as a joke. (laughs) Well, he probably (laughs) meant it though. I do think he meant it. Like he said, when you tell a joke and and nobody laughs, it's scary. But when you're, when you're high, (laughs) it's terrifying. I didn't know that. That's so good. Spoken well, by two guys who've never so done drugs. That is to say... Oh, wait. Can that be an episode? 
how we've have you never done, any, done drugs. Have you done any drugs? Maybe we'll have an episode where we list the drugs we didn't do. I mean, is that what you mean? Or <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, I think that so, could totally go in the show. So we're going to have a little bit of fun, you and I. Uh, we are going to uh, share with our listeners some Mitch Hedberg jokes. Uh, mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. are jokes that I just I love from Mitch Hedberg. I looked at a big list of them, picked out my favorites, and we're going to read these to each other, read them to our audience, make them laugh for a little bit, but we're going to do them in our Mitch Hedberg voices. I'm really interested to hear yours. You know, I'm doing kind of half. I'm doing the staccato thing that he does. Stuckado? The, the the voice, not so much, because he does kind of sound a little bit sloshed What's when he does it. staccato again? It's, um... It, that, That's that, like that, the noodles that, when that, they that, stick that, to your that, teeth? It's like a, um, it's, it's a dente. musical term. Al dente? Let's go with that. Piano forte. Because I don't know how to explain this, but it's a, it, it, it pertains to the rhythm of how he says something. And to me, it sounds like it's a staccato type of... Okay, so you're going to read it speaking. in stucco voice, and... <laughs> Anyways, so here we go. And I'm going to... That's how you sound plastered. Uh, Here we go. I bought a $7 pin because I always lose pins and I got sick of not caring. (laughs) (laughs) Before I read mine, I've actually done that, but with mechanical pencils. Oh, yeah, good. (laughs) That's a good one. I wrote a script and gave it to the guy who reads scripts and he read it. And he said he really likes it, but he thinks I need to rewrite it. I said, no, thanks. I'll just make a copy. <laughs> I had a parrot. The parrot talked, but it did not say I'm hungry. So it died. <laughs> Jim, you got to get through the whole line. <laughs> <clears throat> I opened a yogurt. It said, please try again. They were having a contest I was unaware of, but I thought I might have opened the yogurt wrong. <laughs> Okay, here we go. My friend asked me if I wanted a frozen banana. I said no, but I want a regular banana later. So, yes. (laughs) I put fruit on top of my waffles because I want something to brush off. (laughs) I am against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. (laughs) You're getting some of the really good ones over there. I, I didn't do that on purpose. Sure, sure. That would suck if a drink was ice cold, because then it would be impossible to drink. (laughs) That's such a good one. I've often thought that. (laughs) My fake plants died because I did not pretend to water them. (laughs) I don't own a watch because I want all my arms to weigh the same. (laughs) I saw this wino. He was eating grapes. I was like, dude, you have to wait. You should never tell people they have a nice dimple because maybe they were shot in the face with a BB gun. (laughs) I like wearing necklaces because it lets me know when I'm upside down. (laughs) They say the recipe for Sprite is lemon and lime, but I tried to make it at home. There is more to it than that. (laughs) I saw a commercial on late night TV. It said, forget everything you know about slipcovers. So I did. And it was a load off my mind. Then the commercial tried to sell me slipcovers, and I didn't know what they were. <laughs> oh, man. You really, you guys need to need to look this guy up. He's got a <laughs> lot of really funny stuff. We got to do a link. <clears throat> I find that a duck's opinion of me is very influenced over whether or not I have bread. <laughs> he has a whole bit about ducks <laughs> and bread. Oh. I have no problem listening to The Temptations, which is weird. <laughs> 
Okay. That's enough of that riffraff. I had fun. Did you have fun? I did have fun. Those were good lines. All right. Anyways, you want to start the show? Absolutely, I do. Okay, let's do it. Bam. The podcast you're about to hear contains the histrionic and problematic conversations of a stodgy Presbyterian and a casserole-loving Baptist. Their interactions are volatile at times and unpleasant most of the time. In many nations, this is considered a mild form of torture. We strongly advise you to stop this nonsense and go do something useful with your life. Otherwise, if you insist on listening to this mess, welcome to the lightest form of flogging. Welcome to the lightest form of flogging. This is my abnormally sweaty co-host, Jim Briggs. It's hot in here, my man. And okay, this it's is, not hot in here. It's hot out there. And across the room from me is my socially anxious co-host, David McCuckey. Hey, ho! Yeah, that, you just, that's, I'm also sweaty. So you just, anyway, it's a little hot in here. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, so uh, we're going to do some housekeeping. The heat generated from my body is tremendous. Or as you would say, uh, what? Say, say what? See, I was going to do a bit, and then you just, I don't I, I don't said that to... thing, and you know what to do? Okay. I, uh, we have we have just a tiny bit of housekeeping. We're keeping just it a to a, a minimal, uh, minimum viable product, as we'll you We'll make it say. fun today. And uh, so all we're going to do here is encourage you to leave an iTunes review yeah. by reading iTunes reviews. Yeah. Wait for it. So, we're so we have one here from Pax Cosmos, and you know it's going to be good because that's right. Latin and Greek. We're going to read this review from Pax Cosmos, and by we, I mostly mean Jim. Okay, here we go. All right, here we go. So this uh, first review comes from Pax Cosmos, as mentioned by David. The title of this review is A Theological Pinball Game of a Podcast. Here we go. Wow. Is this really what ADD is like? This podcast travels far and wide, changing directions and or topics every 3.43 seconds which is helpful to a 21st century mind. That's actually Mitch Hedberg. He does that. Yeah, I, I think I almost read this in Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> the veiled, Could you please? <laughs> maybe I will. No, I won't. <laughs> the veiled and not so veiled references to everything from Christopher Walken impersonations to The Simpsons to New Covenant theology makes this a sort of where's Waldo of theology and pop culture. It's not every day that you will learn something about Francis Turretin and C.I. Schofield and N.T. Wright in the same discussion. In all, I'm going to read this as written, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as typed. Sick, as you would say? Yeah. In all, seriously, though, this podcast gives us an example of what it is like as an American evangelical. Can we still use that word usefully? In today's context, many, if not most of us, have been exposed to or have embraced Calvinistic and Reformed teachings from a very eclectic background, which forms many of us into a sort of hodgepodge. Failed reference. David David smiling. He's giggling. Of belief and convictions. And Jim and David do nothing to help us sort this out. They just show what it's like to be reformed. And big R reformed today. And they make it funny and interesting. So, grab your pipe, pour a dram, and pop a Tylenol. Because it's going to be a wild ride. And he gave us, by the way, four stars out of five. Uh, Which, consequently, incidentally... I'm also rating his spelling four out of five. So. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Getting, uh, Thanks, Pax Cosmos. Woo! Yes, thank you, Mr. Cosmos. Thank you. All right, so that is, uh, that's that's one of the review, reviews. by the way. That yeah, was good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, in all seriously, I thought it was would pretty one, good. One more star kill you? Would, would it kill you? And uh, I thought we would read a, uh, a five-star review. Oh, hey. <clears throat> Did people ever slap you on the back and shout five-star when you were a kid? No, what is that? That's weird. I don't know what it is. Is that a Pennsylvania thing? Or people just... used to do that to me. Okay. Oh, yeah. no wonder you're so hurt. I, that's why I'm a hunchback. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm not a hunchback. Okay. Uh, 
There's a reference to Notre Dame and Papists, but I'm just going to read the review. Uh, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking uh, Jack from uh, Night Before Halloween. Or, no, Night Before Christmas. Uh, no, yeah. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, this review sentence. is from Angie Flodine. That's the name. Hey, on Angie. The, or Angie. I guess Angie. If, I, if I didn't know how to pronounce this, I might say Angie Flodin. Angie she, Flodin. She's Swedish. Don't. Did I, no. I did that last. You did. And yeah, that's did that the last. A few episodes ago. Our audience will not suffer one more Swedish chef. I do a lot of Muppets. Anyway. Okay. S A H M. That is the title of this review. Okay. And uh, we did this, some Googling, and it either stands for something incredibly profane yeah. that I will not utter on this podcast. Thank right. you, Urban Dictionary. Or we'll, we'll, we'll save the <laughs> profane things for the rest of the topic, the main topic. Okay. <laughs> or it stands for stay at home mom. Uh, which is probably the case because she Google can be a frightening place. Can it not be? Okay. Google can be the gateway to all kinds of frightening places. Indeed. Okay, Ooh, keep going. That's like an Instagram quote. Bam. All right. Here's the review. I listened to this while folding laundry and now I don't know which I hate more in life. <laughs> well done. Five stars. <laughs> Good job, Angie. Five stars. Like Five it. stars for the review. Thank you, Angie, for that. It was wonderful. Excellent. And thank you all for uh, those of you who have written a review. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And that's the last we will say about it. But go write one. Go write one. Jim, do you want to get into our main topic? Yeah, let's do that. We have a lot to talk about today. We really do. And uh, we might as well get started. Special episode today, special topic. Why don't you uh, get us started? All right. So this episode was inspired largely by the fact that as I think back through my life, I realize that depression and anxiety have played a very large role in sort of driving me driving me to certain books and certain kinds of books and certain um even even possibly to certain theological conclusions mm-hmm. um and we'll get into more of what i mean there later but that's that's why uh, and so the first thing I think we should do, because I know that you've you've talked about this a little bit before. Yeah, you and I have some commonality here. Yeah. Um, and for my part, what I'm going to talk about today is we're really just going to be talking about the topic in general. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have so much connection to my theological mm-hmm. makeup. Like you will probably oh, talk I'll about. I'll figure it out. I w- <laughs> but I'll do my best. Okay. Okay. But anyways. As long as you're doing your best, I think the listeners will still be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, so no the, first, the first question is because depression and anxiety are, uh, they're related and often mm-hmm. come together or, or are talked about together. One usually comes before the other, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. And I'll, get, I'll get into that. All right. So uh, the first question is depression, anxiety, or both? Like for me, I have struggled with both in different senses of the words. Uh, and so my first question for you, Jim, is uh, have you struggled yeah. with either of these, both of these? And how, how how are you defining the terms as you use well, them? Well, so for me, David, um, I would say that I I do struggle with probably one of those things more than the other. Um, I think I am an anxious person. I think I struggle with anxiety. I think it's something that I have dealt with for most of my life, hmm. and 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 it's it hasn't gone away. Let's just say that. Um, in terms of depression, now I should be careful here, and I'm going to be I'm going to be careful throughout most of this, all of this episode. The really exciting word, parts will be when you're not careful. Yeah, I know. Usually, how it always goes. But I mean, I, I I don't know to what extent I have ever been depressed in my life. 
Now, I could probably guess that I have been, but anxiety seems to be my thing. Now, if uh, there have been times where I think periods of anxiety have probably evolved into a mild form of depression, mm-hmm. but I've never sought any uh, counsel on this. I've never been, I, I don't, for lack of a better word, diagnosed with anything. I've never taken anything for it. Um, just my knowledge of it is just exper- experimental. Mm-hmm. Experiential, um, experimental, and, experimental, and uh, so I, I, I don't know too much about to the extent that I've experienced that, but I, I think I have experienced it to somewhat of a mild degree. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of defining them, I don't know if I could give a good definition of them, but what I can tell you is how anxiety manifests itself in my life: um, excessive worry, morbid introspection at times, mm-hmm. and introspection. Uh, of, can you give an example of what you might? Uh, morbidly introspect about? Um, if I want to do something, make a decision, I will analyze things to, uh, I will analyze things too far. Like start this podcast? Like start this podcast, yeah. I will morbidly introspect all of the options. That's actually well, how could, I come up with our marketing. And usually it's all, all the bad things that are probably will, that, that will probably happen to me mm-hmm. in any given situation before I make a decision. So I'm just morbidly looking at myself uh, too much when I make a decision instead of external factors mm-hmm. having more of a say and when I make a decision. So, so like the, and, fact, and that, also, the fact that some of our pastors may or may not listen to this episode, does that, <laughs> does that trigger? Are you hashtag triggered? Well, it, yeah, actually yeah. I have thought, I'm waiting, I, I have I'm waiting to see which that. of us gets kicked out first. Yeah. Well, next topic will be the uh, live proceedings of our church discipline. <laughs> Live on air. <laughs> Not for anything we said, for everything we've said. Hey! So to sum it up, uh, I, I believe I struggle with anxiety. Okay. I'm an anxious okay. guy. And, I could, I, and I've said this to lots of people, so this isn't a secret. Um, I, I don't know so much about the depression thing. Um, I think I have gone into some really bad spots in my life, and those probably could be considered a mild form of depression. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't really know the terms. Yeah. I don't have a frame of reference. Yeah, I have written really. here in the notes that neither one of us has the DSM-5 uh, memorized. Yeah, I know what that means. Wow. No, the, uh, the DSM-5, <laughs> so you know? So, I mean, you said that this is, uh, this is a large part of your life. It has been, yes. Yeah. Um, so, if that's true, then when do you remember this starting? Is this just David whoa, 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 whoa. I got I to gotta answer my own question here, okay. bruh. bruh. Oh, oh, I thought bruh. I kind of already did, so. Well, sort of. Bruh. Um, so, I just want to define the terms as I'm going to use them. Okay, good. Um, because... I think that even anxiety, as you defined it, there can be a broader definition of it. So let me let me just go ahead and establish maybe for the purpose of this conversation. I'm not trying to write a new mm-hmm. uh, manual for psychology, uh, which is basically what the DSM-5 is. I'm not trying to write a new one of those. I'm just saying for the purposes of these conversations that we're having right now and maybe in the future, I want to define anxiety as being either a physiological response or not, not response, but a physiological condition where you feel anxious. So like Mm -hmm. when you're anxious, there are two things probably happening. One is you are thinking and thinking and thinking about this thing and how it can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and biblically we would say that that aspect of anxiety is sinful because Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're not trusting God and don't get, I'm not, I'm not just saying that like, Oh, the solution is trust God. It's that simple. Like, no, I mean the the reason we have biblical counselors is, is because they can come in, they can, they can walk side by side with you and try to understand why it is that you 
are so concerned about this and why you're having trouble trusting God with it. You know, we, we have positive examples in the Bible of people saying, I believe, help my unbelief. We all need help to believe. So, yeah. but that side of it is, is one side of it. And then the other side of it is all of the, uh, they're not, they're not emotions in the sense that they happen in your mind. They're physiological in the sense mm-hmm. that like you feel your stomach kind of turns your, you, you might get a little bit shaky. You might get sweaty. Mm-hmm. You get like, that, that is an anxious response, and, and doctors will refer to that as, as an anxiety attack or, or what have you. Okay. Well, you're talking about physiological things, which is, is true. I feel that too. Mm-hmm. What about, do you have any mental explanations of what anxiety could look like as a thinking process? So, I mean, for... That's kind of how I latch onto it. Right. I mean, there are physiological effects, no doubt. Right. So, I'm, I'm just trying to d- draw the distinction. Like, okay. what you were talking about seems like it's primarily the former that might be causing the latter, Right. Sorry, this, so it like, might be the, the thoughts that are causing the, the, um, the physiological response. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so for me, I have struggled with both of these okay. uh, at the same time uh, and causing each other, if that makes sense. Like sometimes yeah. you'll get, you'll feel anxious and that will make you become anxious. And sometimes you will mm-hmm. uh, have anxious thoughts and that will drive you to feel anxious and that becomes a, a vicious spiral. Yeah, it's, it's a snowball that starts to go down the hill. But something that I've learned about myself is that on on occasion, maybe once every couple of months, I will just have what amounts to a physiological anxiety attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will think to myself, self, what are you anxious about? Yeah. And I'll think, I have no reason to be anxious. Like in general, everything in my life is yeah. reasonable. I don't, I don't distrust God's providence. I just feel this way. And so yeah. I go for a walk. So you have a process. Um, you know yourself. I mean, in this, in this, in this area. Yeah. So, and that's been really important for me because it's, it was actually really easy before I realized this distinction for me to feel anxious and then think of something to be anxious about. (laughs) Um, Well, now that we have this feeling here, let's go ahead and nurture it. Right. Exactly. Like, Ooh, okay. See how far this thing can go. Um, And so that, so for me, there have been times in my life uh, and we'll, we'll get into how this started and everything. And that's when mm-hmm. I'll get into what the thoughts were, but there've been until fairly recently within the last four or five years, uh, that anxious physiological reaction has always just led to the thinking and the thinking has often sparked the physiological response. Like okay, for yeah. me, I've done, I've done both up until done about both. four and a half years ago or four, four, four to five years ago. And, uh, since then, that's not to say that I don't struggle with it at all, yeah. but if if we're if before I was hitting like eights on on anxiety, now I've been below you know below five good. almost good. all of the time. So is that because you've found good ways to manage it? To yeah, manage, we'll get we'll get into that. I think to manage your way out of it, I guess is a good way to say it. Yeah, you've gotten I've, better at it. You got some tricks <laughs> up your sleeve. You got married, wives. That's spouses helpful, yeah. help. Yeah. yeah. Okay, also just counseling, but we'll, we'll get into That's one of okay. the questions here. Uh, so rather than get ahead of ourselves, I want to briefly touch on depression too, okay. because I have, um, what is that? The, the, the double, the double, um, mm-hmm. there's gotta be a double, witty turn that I could use here to describe both of them. No, that's not it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said that. And I was like, no, that's, that's you not see, the thing. In my mind, I just have a collection of things and I grab at whatever is in front of me. <laughs> that's what I do when I talk. That's terrifying. So, okay. <laughs> this is why people like you and they hate me. <laughs> Jim, he's just so erratic. I, I love it. <laughs> so for me, I, I, I didn't realize this is going to be probably more of a me talking episode just because I've probably well, the, yeah, you hit d- these things harder than you. You, you, yes, we, you and I can relate to each other. Right. And that has helped us kind of 
start a friendship. But it sounds like you got hit by a Civic and I got hit by a truck. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, like me, like a really fast Civic, mm, but mm-hmm. it was like a swipe. Mm-hmm. And you just... He you had know, the door open and he... You know that move? <laughs> and you were w- wandering on the highway uh, texting and then you looked up and three feet away from you was a grill of a Peterbilt. So, I mean, yeah. All right. So depression. I'm done with my water. It's so Dep- high. Here. I'm sorry. Uh, depression. Uh, so for me, that has consisted of... Uh, well, again, I want to I draw two distinctions here. One is depression can be uh, a lack of affect, right? Where you feel like you should feel, but you don't feel, Okay. right? That can be a form of depression. And then another form of... And these things all often come together, but you might have one without the other, which is why I'm drawing the distinction. The other would be what the Puritans referred to as overmuch sorrow, where you are just yeah. sad, upset, like negative emotions, not necessarily anger, although maybe anger at yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you, you feel these... The, these these negative emotions they come like a a dark cloud and they they infect everything that you think about so like all of the happy things in your life like the the happy gumball mm. machine that gives you gum becomes the sad gumball machine yeah. that will probably kill you of That's uh, a great sugar way of describing this yeah um and it, GK Chesterton talks about the 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 crazy person and he talks about how the crazy person thinks in very small circles uh, and and, and for me, the this overmuch sorrow or this mm-hmm. this this side of depression has has come in the form of deciding that a a premise, I am useless, is okay. true, and then interpreting everything else in light of that, so that no matter what anyone says to me, I can always interpret it in light of the fact that, uh, th- that I am useless or or what have you. So I, I think it was G.K. Chesterton who came up with the example of like. Um, when you're like a person who's convinced that he's dead and you're trying to trying to convince him that he's alive, this might not have been Chesterton, uh, but you're trying to convince him that he's alive and you say, well, you, you know, if you were alive, you couldn't talk to me or if you were dead, you couldn't talk to me. And he's like, yeah. oh no, I guess dead people can talk to people. <laughs> like that's, that's the thought process that it triggers yeah, instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of undoing the premise. Um, and so I would consider this form of depression to, uh, honestly be sinful like to 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 decide that contrary to whatever scripture says about you you are a given way and you're not going to believe what scripture says about you know mm-hmm. when i say that something is sinful i yeah, i we have to be careful i have to be really clear that like some sins are really hard to get out of like some 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 sins there are aggravating factors that make that temptation really hard for a person to bear and you know anybody who has wrestled with anger or lust or or depression uh, can identify with this. And just because it is, you know, when, when Jesus, when the gospel comes, mm-hmm. it doesn't come to us and say, oh, those things in your life that are hard for you, those, those sins in your life that are hard for you to stop, they're not sin. It comes and it says you're forgiven yeah. and it gives you power to overcome them. And and we, we need to be able to say about ourselves. And that's the remedy, the ultimate remedy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it, it's so important just to admit, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I believe this over and against what scripture says. I'm calling God a liar. Like, because once it becomes a sanctification issue, you have the Holy Spirit's help. If it's just like, oh, me and my mind, I, I just think this way, then like, well, where are you going to get help from? I mean, not that God doesn't help us with, with, with little things, but we have promises concerning sin. We don't have promises concerning what refrigerator you're going to buy or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did put some thought to this question. I was going to address it later on in the topic, but perhaps now is a good time to talk about it because, and I'm glad we're, 
you're being careful here with this. I'm trying. I'm still yeah. probably going to offend someone. No, I think you're doing a good job because because I want to be sensitive to people, those listeners who are listening to this right now that are that are dealing with these things, they're dealing with anxiety or even dealing with depression. And and while I will say that certain states of anxiety are sins or it's a sin mm-hmm. to be anxious in some sense. Um there are people out there that are fighting this. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that if you are fighting this, um you're not sinning by fighting it. When it, when when you don't fight it and you refuse to reach out and you refuse to get to get help and you refuse to seek out the truths in scripture there for you, showing you a way out of this deep hole that you find yourself in. When when you get to that point, then I think the actively sinning part does come into play. Now, I think there are those who um, have some mental illness. I guess I'll just go ahead and say it. Mm-hmm. That that because of the, the, the effect of, of sin on man, um, our minds are affected with sin too. Mm-hmm. Our minds are under a curse. And I think that the wiring can sometimes be a little bit off. I hope you're listening to this and not going nuts. No, I because when I'm I'm, I'm drawing a distinction. I'm saying there's people. There are people that deal with anxiety, right? But you know they don't need to be taking medication for it. They don't need to be going right. to a, a counselor right. for it. I mean, th- th- there there are solutions available to them, and they have them, and they know where they are. Mm-hmm. But there might be some that are having a really hard time with this because of just the, the effect of sin on the mind and their mind has fallen and the wiring is a little bit off and they do need a little bit more help. I'm thinking of Joe Thorne here. Do you remember that story that Joe Thorne told? I, do about? I, don't, I don't think I've heard this. Uh, well, we're going to, I want to link to a video where he okay. explains this, uh, but uh, he went through a very, very, very deep, deep trying time of mental illness, of anxiety and depression, even to the point where it was physically affecting him. He's having heart palpitations because of this, this, Mm -hmm. this dark guest that was over him. Mm -hmm. And he eventually uh, got some help, some professional help and has taken some medication and he's gotten better. Mm -hmm. He's spoken openly of this story. Those people that are listening here, I want to be careful for them too. And say that this can get so bad where you are unable to do this yourself and do need a little bit of help to, to help, for the help to help. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's kind yeah, of what I this, wanted. This to is say. tricky too because I, I mean, there, there. This is, this is, this is the kind of thing that does cause suicides. Like, yeah, like this. Because you don't want to tell a depressed- well, cause. Cause is probably the wrong word, but like it does. It's instrumental in in people deciding, and so because of that, we're we're kind of dancing on glass. That's not Cause, a phrase. Yeah, because I mean, I don't want to spend too much time figuring out what's a sin and what isn't. Because right. a severely depressed person, if we're just going to hit them with that, and I know you're not doing this, but if we're just going to hit them with that, I mean, they're just not in a place where they can hear that and then right. help them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and that's why, like, the, it, you know, the person is just mildly depressed because he had a bad week. Yeah, honestly, you know, that person can fall into sin pretty easy. We might just put a disclaimer at the beginning of this that, like, if you are actively struggling with depression, this is not the podcast to the for point you. that you are depressed right now. Yeah. We're going to try to be sensitive, but like it, it it's a topic that talking about it in the abstract can hit closer to home than you might want to than you might want it to yeah. if this is something that you are currently actively struggling with. So you might want to skip through this episode um or or uh, just listen to it with a friend, be careful, yeah. have somebody to discuss it with. But all of that being said, I think I do most I, there there are 
things that you said that I agree with. There are okay. things that you said that I disagree with. You and seem it, to have a problem with the mental wiring, the wiring being there's, off. Well, just that it's, I do believe that. that I, I, I do too. But the, the rest of the body gets cancer I, and the rest of the body goes through so many maladies. Certainly the mind can no, have I, 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 a chemical can be off, you know, a chemical imbalance. Right. No. And I mean, I mean, like, like uh, thyroid is a, is an excellent example of that. Yeah. But I think that there is a, there's a difference between willfully thinking, having the thought, I am useless over and against what the Bible says, yeah. or I am, uh, you know, there's no way that God could forgive me. Despite willfully the as heard. in I am producing this thought. Like, uh, yeah, uh, okay. there might be a distinction to be drawn here between a thought that comes into your head. I don't, I don't know if I, I like, this is, this is one of the reasons I'm not a pastor. You can cause like, the anxiety or the anxiety I, this can cause This discussion that we're having right now yeah. makes me really glad that this is not a theology podcast. Because and, we don't, I'm, and I'm glad that last episode we discussed the fact that we are for not, sure not pastors. Not pastors. If we're not ever giving out pastoral yeah. advice. We're not giving out theological precision because it's not useful for us at this point. Right. We're just two guys talking. So all of that to say, I, I agree, but I think that the way that you and I uh, would, would tackle that is probably going to be different. Why? I, I don't know that we want to get into it, but essentially what I want to say is our last question is close to it. My solutions are, are Christian ones. Well, what I mean is uh, when, when do you decide that medicine is a thing that, oh. that needs to be administered? What, what do you define as a sin versus not a sin? Well, let me, let and, me anecdotally tell you that the Joe Thorne story, uh-huh. he did not seek that stuff out until maybe I think a year or two into this thing. Right. Well, and, and, and administering medicine for a season, like when you've dug yourself into a hole of anxiety, yeah. having medicine that just removes affect for a season so that you can kind of like yeah. clear your mind, start a, start a healthier, a healthier way of thinking, and then eventually going off of that medication, that's a completely different thing from you're okay. going to be on this for the rest of your life. Uh, okay. What I'm trying to say is I draw probably a lot more distinctions here because it's stuff that I've really actively had to think about. Yeah. Um, and, and it's stuff you, that I've actively read about. And, and maybe I've dealt with some of it a lot more than I have. That's so. not to say that I'm an expert and that you're wrong, but okay. all I'm trying to say is when you're, you're making some fairly broad strokes and the, the, there, are, there is truth to the things that you're saying, but I also want to say... That doesn't mean that before you, if you're struggling with mild anxiety or, mm-hmm. or mild depression, maybe your pastor should be who you go to before Absolutely. you go to your doctor. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. And I, and, and, I, and I hope, I think I made that distinction. And I know you hate the word spectrum. I know you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's applicable here, maybe it isn't, but maybe just the, the point, and I'm just going to make it briefly here. There are people that suffer from this mildly, mm-hmm. but there are people that, chronically suffer from it. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is there may be a difference between the two. And one may have to find some professional help. And that professional help may prescribe some medicine. And that medicine may only be needed for a short season. I, I, and I'm saying that those people are different. You and I, well, maybe you a little bit more than I do, struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Especially the, the D word. <laughs> Depression. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm so scared of saying it, but I don't think uh, I, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm certainly not going to go to the doctor to deal with my anxiety issue because I, I have solutions that work for me that don't include taking a pill. Right. Some might have to do that, though. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that the, and the I was distinction I would want to draw is not a problem with that. The distinction I would want to draw where you said some people have a mild case of it and some people have a chronic case and the chronic cases might need medicine. And the chronic, and the chronic case may be because of 
A chemical imbalance. But okay, you I, see, what I, I mean? see what you're saying. Well, but I think mild cases. Can I don't think I have a chemical because imbalance. of a chemical imbalance. Okay. So, so here's what I mean: is like for me, I know that the anxiety attacks that I get are probably a chemical imbalance because I know that there is no thought process sparking it. Right. You did say that. And so I know for me, I'm probably a, a, a grade A candidate to see a doctor, but it doesn't affect me to the extent that like this is this is a constant thing in my life is like when it comes to medicine, if it's not bad enough to where I'm willing to risk having whatever side effects might come or taking a pill every day, I'm yeah. just not going to do it. Okay. Like, like I, you know, if I have a headache, I'm not going to take ibuprofen unless it gets really bad because ibuprofen kind of messes with my stomach and I don't, I, you know, I'd rather have the headache. So okay. for me, when it comes to anxiety, like I recognize that it could be medical. And if it were to get worse, I would go see a doctor. I have a history of thyroid issues in my family. It's probably that. Okay. But I no, going to a doctor right now is probably not going to do anything because I, I feel fine. <laughs> like it's yeah. like going to your mechanic and saying my car wasn't working three months ago. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, well, I have been noticing something, David, we should, I'm kidding. Well, uh, so all, all of that to say, I'm not going to fight you on this. I, I don't want to fight you on this. But, and I don't want to fight you on yeah, it. Like okay. the, the distinctions, I think we would just draw them differently. And I think we can leave okay. it at that. Okay. Um, for, right. for my part, if you're interested in understanding my position a little bit better, uh, Jay Adams has a book called Competent to Counsel. We're going to have a lot of links today uh, that I found really <laughs> helpful. Um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything in that book, but it takes a very, it, it takes a, a, a much lighter or a much, a much less, uh, it's a lot slower to step into medicine and it's a lot faster to step into sin and say, this is sin. Um, but you just have to read the book. Yeah. Anyway, all, all of that to say, so for me, for depression, I've struggled with the, with, with the, the overmuch sorrow and the, uh, small mind convinced of a, of a, of a premise yeah, that uh, I'm useless is one that, that I've I've struggled with a lot. That speaks to me. Uh, I'm not good at anything. I can't yeah. amount to anything. Those sorts of things. Um, and and then lack of affect. That's just something that I had to learn about myself. Yeah. Like I pretty much always have lack of affect. <laughs> that's just who I am. But there have been seasons in my life where I've had more affect, sure. and having that go away is something that I would want to call depression when really it's just a return from a spiritual or a, you know, the camp high, yeah, like yeah, returning yeah. from camp high for me. Uh, it, it, you know, that's something that I would consider depression, even though like, really it's just me going back to like not having a lot of affect. Yeah. You're coming down from something. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, right. uh, why don't we talk about Jim? I'm going to start with you because I've been talking a lot. Um, you know, you're probably going to talk more than me on this, you know, not that this is your episode, but you just have well, some. This is your episode. <laughs> Little did Jim know that David had a plan. <laughs> Anyways, so when point? when when is your earliest recollection of for you anxiety? My mother has told me. My dear mother has told me that. Um, from does anybody picture like a female deer with little deer? Whenever people say "my dear mother," no, that's just you in your now you will in your depressed mind. I have some medication for you for that. Anyways, no, uh, <laughs> there is a pill for that, David imagining deer and I don't know what he does. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it costs my, a lot of my dough. mom has told me that every, every Quite since a few she, bucks. she can remember. <laughs> uh, my mom has told me that ever since I was little, um, I worried about everything. Mm, mm. And that just seems to be the thing that I just was born with. I don't know if anything happened in my life. Like if I was one and I fell off a table, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but the point is, <laughs> I can't point to an event, but what I can tell you is that I always, I always worried about everything. 
and uh, second-guessed myself from a very young age about everything, overanalyzed mm-hmm. social situations. Um, are, are, are you, uh, are you, do, you, do you think too much so the, the ahead word, of time or too much after? Too much. Fact? Well, both. Dave. Okay. I, okay. I think you do that too, right? Hopefully, I'm not the only one. I actually, this used to be a real problem for me until I realized that people don't think about me that much. You know, y- yes, that is great. Uh, I was just about to say that I, I probably lean towards overthinking something after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I was liberated. And I think everyone could take something from this, but liberated when I realized that people probably don't think about me as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, you know, though. But, but, you know, I say that and I feel dumb th- saying that. It's so obvious, but that's actually really... It's it's quite a relief. <laughs> it, it is like it is such a relief. This this if if you haven't thought about this, like if you're thinking about a conversation that you had where you said something stupid, and you're two or three minutes into thinking about, oh, I said that stupid thing. What could they have taken away from that? You need so to mean. understand that if that person is thinking about the conversation at all, they're probably thinking about something they said. Yeah, <laughs> and what yeah. you think of them, like like people don't live in a world that revolves around you as much as your world revolves around you. <laughs> Like Break- not even ten percent. <laughs> Breaking news here uh, on the latest form of flogging podcast. Their oh. lives are not about you. <laughs> You're tracking, anyways. Uh, um, anyway, yeah, that, 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 that kind of threw me off, but I just needed to to give you a give you an amen, brother. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, the word that just comes into my head over and over again is just worry. I worried a lot as a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if this was a result of my worry and anxiety, but I had a lot of gray hair as a kid. I've had gray hair almost my... None of ever, it is in ever, your beard. I actually have three gray hairs in my beard. I found them the other day. I'm not going to look for them. Yeah. Uh, David? Uh, get, get, get off! D- David! <laughs> David. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Anyways. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Um, but uh, but yeah, so... Um, and that, that really um, exploded... When I was 13, I'm going to get a little heavy here, but I'll, worry, I'll, worry I'll make it quick. The, 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 I think it just turned into full-blown anxiety problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe not problem, but it it accompanied me frequently after I was 13. And uh, dad left, divorce, mm-hmm. left the family. And I think that, and I was just, just not that some ages are better than others, but just uh, the effects of divorce. On a thirteen-year-old boy, ain't ain't good. Well, because you're um, like just old enough to per, to like understand what's going on, but yeah. also not really mature enough to process it. That's, appropriately. that's a good, and I didn't process it very well. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, I've never I've never talked to anybody about this, um, but I, I I have a sinking suspicion that that was probably a trigger for me, and and ever since then I've just had this anxiety problem, and uh, you know, thinking about people's motives and trust and the morbid introspection that I talked about before. Uh, that's, that's, I guess that's my biography answer for me. That's mm-hmm. kind of how, it, and then that's really all I have to say about it, I think. So, mm. Have there been any, uh, oh no, I guess we'll get to that question. Um, I just want to take a, I think in a, if, if this were a college textbook, what we're about to do right now will be called an excursus. So for those of you who don't like us changing excursus. Yeah, I think Sorry. excursus might be plural. Anyways, see and, now, now you're the one <laughs> dragging us off. Course. I believe the phrase is excursi. Ex- excur- <laughs> We're going to take an excursorum. That sounded bad. Yeah, I don't maybe. like the way that sounded. Yeah, is that what you saw on the Google? Never mind. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> we'll fix that in editing. <laughs> and so uh, I love it when you say we'll fix that in editing, but the thing wasn't fixed in editing. It's, it's funny. I just like it. I want to talk about triggers. Ah. Because they're comical now. Like they're a joke item, like the hashtag it's triggers. It's a pop culture thing. That. But what I want to say is I think a godly way to look at quote triggers, close quote, are things that things in your life that make it easy for you to fall into a particular behavioral pattern. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy for you to do it without necessarily thinking about it actively. Mm-hmm. And so the, this could be a good thing. Like I put my gym clothes, uh, I, I lay them out every night before I'm going to go to the gym so that in the morning, it's really easy. Like the easiest thing for me to do mm-hmm. is to go to the gym. This isn't something that I do because if I went to the gym, I would die. Um, <laughs> of skinniness. Um, <laughs> but Jim, here's an idea. If you lay out your gym, are you, clothes, are you telling me I need to go to the gym? Is that what this is? No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Your name is Jim. You can lay out your gym clothes. Yeah. Never mind. Um, they love me there, by the way. No, keep going. The- <laughs> keep going. Um, we should do a live or, recording. Or it could be something like uh, something, something, some bad behavior. Like mm-hmm. when you see this, it makes it really easy for you to get anxious. Mm-hmm. But we need we need to affirm what the Bible says when it says. Uh, when a temptation comes, God is also providing a, a way of escape. There, there's Indeed. no such thing as a trigger that forces you into a certain action. You can't yeah, say the yeah. devil made me do it. You can't say okay. the fact that the ice cream was out made me do it. But you can say it was harder for me not to binge on ice cream because somebody bought five pints of it. Like yeah. saying that makes it, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it not, not gluttony, but it does explain some aspect of it so that you can know something about yourself, which is I am not the sort of person who would go to the store to buy five pints of ice. Mm-hmm. cream. How much is in a pint? Yeah, that's a lot of ice cream. It five is. pints of ice cream and eat all of it. Like the, the yeah. again, we, I just, so I want to, I want to clarify when we talk about triggers, we're not using it in the, uh, feminazi, uh, or the, it's used in pop. Exactly. Right now. We're using it in, in a sanctified way, um, to explain things that make it easy for us to, uh, exhibit, patterns of behavior yeah okay fair enough that was a good uh excursus cool so uh so for you how did you remember this starting in your life yeah um was it always there or was there a moment uh, an event i want to say so for me it's did the donut man scare you i'm sorry <laughs> I, i'm sorry i'm done i'm done um so anxiety i remember all the way back to like six years old yeah. uh going to camp i hated the idea of camp yeah. Uh, because everything when you go to camp so is like social control. social stuff social it's, stuff but also just like i'm away from home i'm outside a lot of the time i have no control over my time uh so i i, I went to camp once i came back home after it my parents made me stay there the whole time because they thought you it know, would be you good as a, you as a six-year-old getting bummed out because you don't have any control over your time is so david mccookie yeah yeah you are the legend that has been made about you but it was also the people i mean you know it wasn't probably my first overnight going to camp but it was you know it was one of my first being away from family but it was really tough really tough for you okay uh and then so as far as depression goes and would continue to be tough if you did it many many times because you know every kid does that it's the first yeah. time's rough and they get over it and then they're fine. But it would be like a, it, it, it wouldn't be something you could do easily. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Know? I still, I still don't do camp. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to camp, huh? Uh, <laughs> camp Silver Lake for anxious covenanters. <laughs> so that's all you, Jim. You don't have to write this down. We're recording it. I 
just, it's just, just, just talk, okay? Get off me. All right. So as far as depression goes, uh, earlier in my life, that took the form of nobody likes me. I'm never going to have friends. Yeah. And as I matured, mm-hmm. I stopped caring. I don't say matured. I'm not. I'm not a. I think it's matured. I, I, as I matured, I sometimes you do a bit and like yeah. to be ironic, and then you realize like now I'm the guy who says, "Hey, fam." Like, <laughs> has this ever happened to you? No, <laughs> uh, that's another. Uh, Maybe not. <laughs> so, so uh, it, as I matured, I, <laughs> I didn't get better at having friends. That's always been a struggle for me. People, uh, people have often told me that I'm uh, standoffish, uh, which I am. Yeah, it took me about four years to look you in the eye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm so tall. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah. Uh, and so as I grew up, like the idea of, then uh, I guess this was anxiety and depression kind of combined into one. Like I said, this can happen. Like the idea of going off to college was terrifying because of social anxiety, because of being twice, away didn't from you? home. Yeah, I went off to two colleges. Yeah. Uh, two dispensational colleges. You love those, don't you? One clear across the country. I still can't figure and it out. And they love you. No. So, so the idea of going to college finding a career living on my own that brought with it a certain like i think part of this was part of this was the way that my parents raised me in terms of i don't know how much they talked about like what life was going to be like outside of uh outside of growing up with my family um or common discussion um and you know being homeschooled and all of that it was like i was i was very secluded and the idea of being out in the open was very scary to me and the world like my church always presented the world as kind of a scary place not like like my church was not amish that's not what i mean at all but like yeah, like like not like it's terrifying to go outside <laughs> no but not like monk but at the same time yeah. like that's where all the evil people are like yeah. uh and so the idea of like being around non-christians like that's just not something that i did very much in my life so there was a lot of anxiety there but then there was also this complete conviction that i would not be good at anything that i would not be able to find a job that i would end up on the streets that i like, this is who I am. I'm not good at anything. I'm never going to be good at anything. And there's, honestly, there, there could be a whole episode wrapped up around that. The idea of, like, competency, training. Um, You've mentioned this before. It's something that you're terrified of, being incompetent. Yeah. And then it's gotten better for you, but nevertheless. Yeah, that, that, would, that would actually be, I think that would be an interesting, an interesting episode because... After all, this show is about why we are the way we are, right? Yeah. And be, being married has been really helpful with that because... Uh, being married is probably the best thing that ever happened to you, other than becoming a Christian. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I can't, I can't argue. Yeah. Um. So all of that to say, depression and anxiety. Growing up, uh, early on, depression was centered around never having friends, uh, and later on, yeah, that's that's classic like high school stuff or middle school stuff. You know, I think, uh, but it hit me pretty hard. You know, uh, I was I've been thinking a little bit more about growing up and some things are coming up as we're talking about this i for the longest time have enjoyed being by myself and i think uh, i i i developed uh, this need to be by myself because i it was hard for me to make friends as a young lad mm. and uh you know it, did you not have the play-doh kit no i never did never had play-doh um <laughs> um <laughs> uh and and I had a, was, little, a little play-doh because person I just, that i, I did, made he was, I was my friend and then I had Socrates. You were that was a sock at, puppet. You were getting on me for doing this, um, but uh, <laughs> I don't like that stuff. I think my anxiety has made me a, a homebody, not mm. just because I love being with my family. That's probably the, the biggest reason. But uh, 
I sure do love just hanging out at home when I get done from work. I don't need to like go out to the bar with the guys, you know. I don't, I don't need to go do the sports stuff. Who but, although I mean, actually, now that I think about it, that would be kind of fun. But um, but yeah, I I just I just I if you're talking like once a month, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fine. Can't believe I'm saying this. There are probably some listeners going, "What? You were there last night?" No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah. What's the bar in The Simpsons? Oh, Moe's. Moe's Tavern. Yeah. Moe's Tavern. Yeah. Duff Beer. Yeah, I could never go there. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's because it's a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, so. Uh, so here's, here's one more question. Is When it comes to anxiety, just because this is interesting to me. When it comes to anxiety, do you get socially anxious about your interactions with close family? Uh, like your wife? Uh, or do you ever overanalyze stuff with that? You said with with my wife, yeah, not or your really. kids, no, no, parents. No, I'm pretty comfortable around wife, kids, uh, comfortable around mom, siblings. Uh, it's a little tougher, hmm. Hmm. a little tougher, <clears throat> easier with my brother, harder with my sister. I'll say that, but that is, I don't think that's really because of my anxiety. If anybody or if anything, I should be able to talk to them easily. But I think some life events and circumstances have. Sure. Have changed things, but I don't think my anxiety comes into play with with family or even extended family. Yeah, I have to say, like, it was weird finding Sarah mm-hmm. because she's like this one person that like I, I'm an introvert and and being around people drains me and I'm always anxious, but like mm-hmm. I don't feel that with her at all. Wow, and that's great, been yeah. that's been very freeing, very helpful. I guess we're when we come to the question of what's helped, like we're just gonna say, see everything that we already said. <laughs> yeah, we are getting a little bit ahead of it, but uh, but, um, so let's, let's go, let's go here. This is an interesting question. Um, how, how bad has it gotten? Mm. When has it gone really bad and how did you deal with it? How did you get out of it? Like, do you have events in your life that you can remember yeah. where this got pretty bad? Yeah. The, the worst that it has gotten, the worst that it has gotten has been probably over the last well, within the last eight years. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with moving away from home because you have the, you have the anxiety on top of everything of just mm-hmm. like, okay, well now I have to provide my own paycheck. Now it's always I there. Have to, um, it's always there. And so as far as anxieties, as far as anxiety goes, that's the, that's the short answer for this. Uh, I used to, every time my manager was in a meeting, Mm-hmm. be completely convinced that he was going to come out and tell me that I was being let go because I wasn't any good at my job. I felt that sometimes like, like every time. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that season for me, it was my first full-time job. I wasn't really qualified in the sense that I didn't have uh, an educational background. Uh, and so that fear of incompetency was like all time high. And the realization that if that happened, I don't have anything to fall back on. Like I have a small amount of savings, but like, you know, what do I do? I could, I just go back home and I really didn't want to go back home to be like, live with my family. That would feel like abject failure. I like my family. I I don't want to live with my family. Like if that makes sense, like my, my, my parents, like, like there, there are all sorts of godly reasons why I don't want to. Um, So, so for me, that would have felt like abject failure and it would have just confirmed that I'm not good at anything. Uh, pushing the snowball down the hill. So that would have been about five years ago, I guess. A lot of this, a lot of this really escalated 
about five years ago, I was also in the first relationship of, with, of my life, like real, not just like, uh, we need to have a DTR, but we're not going to have a DTR college stuff. DTR? Uh, dance, dance revolution. <laughs> uh, defining the relationship. Not do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, just to talk like, Hey, let's get coffee and talk about how we've been hanging out a lot. And that's weird because we're not seeing each other, but David brought his Excel spreadsheet and, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was my first, it was my first, uh, relationship like that after, after a, a series of like relationships that almost got seriously and then mm-hmm. realized that either I was the only one thinking there was something or anyway, all, all of that to say being afraid that Sarah was just gonna up and like leave me because, yeah. oh, you know, you're just lame. Um, <laughs> so I honestly, that's stuff from back when I was like 10, you know, like, yeah. like coming back and like, oh, people don't like me. How, how does she like me? Why does she like me? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was almost like I was I was riding this camp high of like I got a job like a real job that like I didn't really deserve to get but like they liked me and they thought I was good at it and they were paying me and like this could be a career and I have a girlfriend who would like to be my wife or or, or is is serious enough to to say that like this is a serious relationship and we're dating um, and I was just petrified of losing it yeah and that kind of opened the door or triggered made it easy for me to also fall into depression because if something small went wrong, it would be easy for me to just think this is going to spiral. This is all going down the toilet because I showed up late for work. I forgot to do laundry. I like literally mm. things, things that, well, cause I forgot to do laundry. Now I don't have clean clothes to go to work. So now I'm going to dress less professionally. So now like, and, and on and on it goes like, what if, what if the fact that I wear button down shirts is the only reason they're keeping me around? <laughs> like I come in in a t-shirt and they're going to go, does he know what he's doing? <laughs> what a rebel. Uh, which is funny cause I'm wearing a t-shirt now. Look at you. Um, so, so there was that and, and like, it got bad, Jim. Yeah. Like it got, it got really like, I don't, suicidal is a really strong term and it was a term that I would have used, but I don't know that I was actually it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I hear, I hear like what you're saying. A lot of people, a lot of people think they could commit suicide when there's just zero chance of them actually doing it. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people for okay. sure. Uh, if it went further than that, that's hard for me to, so that, that led to like, uh, people at my school being called at times because of things that I was saying, um, that led to, so I don't want to get into this uh, too much because sure, it's, yeah. it's fairly personal, but, yeah. uh, led to pastoral conversations, led to some pretty serious counseling, um, and at, at our church actually. Yeah. Um, so this was, so yeah. this was rock bottom and that's firmly in the past you've, uh, but looking back, you could say that that was probably the darkest. Yeah, that would have been like 2013, 2014. 2014, um, yeah. And and when did you get um, married to Sarah in relation to this? Oh, so that would have been we got married in May of 2014. So this actually would have okay. been 20 So a hair Most after. of it was right around 2013, like the the end of 2012 through probably close to the end of 2013 was when it was it was pretty bad. Now, do you think that you have sufficient um solutions? available to you in your life where you couldn't imagine going back to that place. Do you think there's a, there's a way it could happen again? It is. Or that you, so, but, but you, but you have learned so much from it that, you know, Hey, there's no going back. 
Yeah, it's it's hard to for anybody to say that will never happen again yeah. because could the, you see the path back to it? Like if I did this and if I did this and I did this, there's a strong likelihood that I could fall into something like that again. You know, since then I've I've lost a job um and and been in kind of like the worst case scenario. Yeah. And it did not hit me as hard as I was afraid it would. Yeah. I honestly think that was all, honestly it was kind of cathartic. Yeah. To have that experience of like, well, there there goes your job that you were afraid of losing. Now what, bud? <laughs> um and so I want to say the odds of it happening are really, really low. There are, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of other factors. Like I was convinced that all I needed was five hours of sleep and <laughs> I needed more than that. Well, you were messed up. Uh, or at least more than five hours of rest. Most nights I don't get much more than five hours of sleep. To this like, day? To, the, to this day, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll get, sometimes I'll get, like if I'm having a good streak, it'll be like six and a half. Uh, yeah, I have difficulty sleeping as well because there's just stuff running through my head and I can't get it out. Oh, it's not even that for me. It's 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 definitely chronic. It's definitely like medical. I can't. I just don't fall asleep. Like even if I commit myself to just not think about things. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all, all of that to say, yeah, that I mean, it got it got really really bad. Yeah. And um, the the bright side of that was that our church was starting a counseling ministry. Um, which and, you were a part of for a time, right? Well, I was I was invited to uh well, my wife was invited to join the team and I was invited I think because she was like, oh, and I guess David can come too because so I don't you think anybody sees me as the count biblical counselor. You weren't type. like uh like like once you got there, they're like, okay, David, so you're our case study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's they strap you into a chair. <laughs> <laughs> stop moving david stop <laughs> um no i mean like like I, you know me well but enough I to know this is not this is not a thing that like somebody looked at david and was like he'd be good at this well you know what i think i can understand it to some degree because th- there is something about some guy being in a hole and some other guy comes up and there's no way out and some mm-hmm. other guy comes up to him and says look um i've been here before mm-hmm. and i know the way out trust me and I think there's something to be said about someone who has gone through something like that and has come out of it and could be useful because I, they know the way out of the hole. I 100% agree. The problem comes when I was in a very specific hole. Yeah, okay. And me, like, that means I can help people who are in my specific hole. I got gotcha. you. I'm not saying there's nobody out there, yeah. but you can't make a, you, I mean, not that it was ever going to be a career option. That's not what the class was for, but like, right, just, you can't be a counselor if you only know how to get people out of the hole that you fell in. This particular You can be hole. a really good friend to certain people in your life. Yeah. Um, okay. well, fair or enough. maybe a good podcast host. A good podcast host. Co-host. Or we're t- co-host, As yeah. you would say. Yeah. yeah I, boy, that's going to haunt me forever. My anxiety ain't helping on that one. <laughs> I just made myself lord of this podcast. So before we get into the the end of that, um, why don't you talk about any times that it's been really bad for you? You mentioned 13. You know, this is going to be a bit of a letdown. Um, Are you talking about the whole episode? Yeah, possibly. Uh, but, um, you know, I... Yeah, I, I would say... You know, it's looking back because I was 13 years old and that was such a long time ago and I didn't really have language to negotiate through that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I got out of it, um, but it has affected me to this day and took me a long, 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 long time to get over it. Um, uh, I would say that when, when my dad left, that was a pretty low point. But when I started to be become aware of, you know, I have a problem with anxiety. 
and mm-hmm. and I I can sometimes find myself in dark places. Uh, I can only think of experiences in my adulthood for that. So mm-hmm. uh, because you know, as shortly after that, you know, my my stepdad came into my life, and he was great. And you know, I found an identity. I was a music kid. I was a band geek, and I just you know, I just I just found niches. Um, there was probably a period right around 2000, um, 2010 where I probably hit rock bottom, my mm. rock bottom. And uh, it had a, had a little bit to do with the pastoral stuff, mm. had a little bit to do with my work situation at the time. I was a car salesman, and it was an immensely stressful job. I thought I remembered you being a car salesman, and when you told salesman. me you had the job that you have now, I was confused. Yeah, I, but I forgot people change jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got out of it thankfully, and um, that's a very stressful job I've heard. And about. I was trying to, I was trying to, and my and my my dad passed away during this time, mm-hmm. and through through cancer, and had a very difficult time reconciling with him throughout all this, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to find my way. You know, I I just was released from the pastoral thing, and I had really nothing. <laughs> I had no marketable skills at the time, mm-hmm. uh, so I was you know just trying to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. my life. And uh, and uh, uh, spiritually, it was a pretty rough time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm trying to just give you the whole everything that was going on in my life, and, and what I'm trying to say is all these things happened at once. Mm-hmm. It was too much for me to handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, it manifested in some really strange ways. I just became really bitter and angry and I was really stressed out all the time. And I uh, wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't as kind to my wife as I could have been. I wasn't as attentive as a father as I could have been. And I just, I had to start over. I had to really reset to zero as a, re- as a result of all of these things that are happening in my life. And just anxiety was uh, full tilt. I might have even been mildly depressed mm. uh, because I was believing things that were not true about myself and myself in relation to others and myself in relation to God. And uh, finally, uh, finally came out of it after a period of time and um, have not gotten that low since. Now, since then, I would have times of maybe a couple of days where I would be down. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting into that, those words that you used about depression really spoke to me because you, you, you're in a place where just you believe silly things. That aren't true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That when you feel normal, you know for sure are not true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you know that sometimes those things. Last it always a seems couple like days. a different person that believed those things. Yeah, yeah, and you just feel silly that mm-hmm. you know, you would believe such strange things. And maybe that has happened a couple times, and at lo- at at most, it's maybe lasted a week for me. But for the most part, I have not gotten that low since then. And um, primarily for me, getting out of it was uh, through spiritual means. And, uh, through the church and mm-hmm. means of grace in my life and pursuing the disciplines, stuff like that. So, but this is where it gets interesting. I mean, yeah. not that your stuff isn't interesting, but this yeah. is where we get into like the meat of the show, which is how does this affect us um, in terms of our theology, in terms of why yeah. I'm a, ba- a Baptist and you're a Presbyterian. Yeah. So I, sh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I shared with some friends recently in my small group, um, a period that I went through that I just kind of described. It was a couple of days where I, uh, I was anxious about a whole lot of things. I don't even remember what triggered it, mm-hmm. but I was really, really, really down. And 
And I think in times like that, let me get a little bit heavy here, but, but I think this is where Satan is, is most effective when we are at our weak points and he comes in ever so stealthily and um, does what he does best, which is lie and accuse. Mm-hmm. And if we are not strong, um, we tend to believe the things that he tells us and just he'll throw past sins at you. You know, that's mm-hmm. another way that anxiety does not help me, doesn't do me any favors is when you know, my past is thrown at me and I just, I, I, I forget that I'm forgiven and I forget that there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've read that verse hundreds of times, but boy, do I ever have to slow down and think about that word by word and just not scream it to myself, but earnestly preach it to myself. This is true. Mm-hmm. Stop acting like it's not. Hope in God, oh my soul. Yeah. Psalm 42. Um, and just, you know, this happened just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they, you know, I, I could say this to them because I'm comfortable around them and I trust them and they trust me. And I gave them my heart. And they, 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 what they gave back to me was you know, just some questions, but really um, speaking truth to me. And, and, and telling me, Jim, you, you know this to be true. It's right here. It's in Romans 8.1. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's not? And I, I can't say anything. I mean, I know that. I know this, guys. I know it's, not, I know it's true. Mm-hmm. But I just I get into these times where I just stupidly, in such silly ways, believe things that are absolutely not true. And I just got done reading a biography of Martin Luther by uh, Eric Metaxas. Have you read that? And you know what? You I were am, doing your taxes? I was doing my taxes. <laughs> you know, I'm finally ready to say that that guy is funny. I never I refused to believe it up until I read that book. I think he's funny. Okay, you're right. He's funny. You're funny. Um, but, uh, but in that book, you describe, and Martin Luther, I think you might know what I'm about to say. Martin Luther had some issues. Oh, Luther is the guy that people talk about. Yeah, he's always the guy. He, him and uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's the Martins. They're the Martin depression Jones. Yeah, they have, yeah, you're right. Stop, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Stop listening to yourself. Start, start yeah. talking to yourself. Yeah. And um, when I read that, I was just thinking, boy, I'm certainly not as nuts crazy as he was. Oh wait, you should you should describe the Luther thing because well, what he uh, there is uh, he he used a there's a German word for times of spiritual depression that he would go through. I, I cannot. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> boy, I just completely you disregarded people that are going through actual spiritual depression. But also the Germans. I mean, he he brought morbid introspection to a level that I don't think anyone could possibly get close to. I mean, the mm-hmm. guy was pretty nuts about uh, you know his past sins and. You know, he, he spoke a lot about spiritual warfare in these terms and would go through periods of really dark, dark depression. And and he have, would have these periods of time in his life where that would be more, he would be more susceptible to them. And I'm reading this, I'm thinking, you know, I, I certainly don't have this, but there are times where I'm just, I get into spiritual depressions where I start believing silly things and the, I have solutions available to me, tools, the spiritual disciplines, biblical disciplines, um, being active in my church and having people that I can reach out to and people that aren't going to let me lie to them mm-hmm. or completely disregard them, but are going to ask me questions and, you know, having a small group is good. Mm-hmm. You can, when you, and when you have guy time in that small group time where you, you're just, you're in the chair and they know something's wrong and you have to say something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and those, those solutions are there for me and have helped me quite a bit. 
but you know, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of getting off kilter here, but, but just to summarize when spiritual depression shows up in my life as a result of my anxiety, not giving me any favors, you know, mm-hmm. um, the spiritual solutions available to me, um, have, have solved it for me, have got me out of it mm-hmm. thus far. Um, so I've learned a lot about where to go in times of trouble. I've learned a little bit more about how Satan, uh, how spiritual warfare works. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not the crazy off the wall stuff. Um, his methods are so much more effective um, when he does it through stealth, does it through lies and accusations. And he gets at you when you're at your most vulnerable point and he knows what works. And sometimes he's gotten me. Um, and yeah, spiritual uh, scripture memory has helped. Mm-hmm. Staying in the word has helped. But I mean, you can be in the word and just move right past a truth that could be applicable to you at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just that, but a lot of things uh, together. So that's what I have to say. I don't think I made any sense, but. No, I, I think you're right. And for, for the person at home who, who struggles with this and says, I'm trying all of these things, why, why am I not making progress? I do think it's important. I think you would agree. I think it's important to recognize. Like, so for me, when it came to anxiety, for example, just becoming a Calvinist was super helpful. Why? Because providence. Because we're like Romans eight. Oh, as, makes an, as, as an answer, sense. as an answer to the problem of anxiety in one's life. Right. Right. Like, like yeah. not so. So, so here's what I mean by that is, is not Romans eight makes anxiety go away. That's not what I mean. But yeah. if you don't have Romans eight, you don't have anything. Like you have no reason, you have no 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 weapons with which to fight anxiety. Yeah, it's going to be a fight. So Romans you, eight twenty eight is what you're talking about, right? Well, okay. I mean, most of Romans eight. Well, yeah, but, I got you, but um, yeah. So so what I what I mean is that like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this this may be for for you listener. Uh, hopefully, I mean we we have like twelve listeners, and one of them might be struggling with this. We have more listeners than that. Um, for you, this might this might feel really like frustrating and and uh, because we're saying oh well we we have these 10 well, things we have the means of grace we have the church we have and, and, but that w- what we're not saying is therefore you know when you have those things it's not even a fight what what we're saying is you need those things to be able to fight like without you, those talking, things you're not going to get anywhere you're talking about the person that is in a spiritual funk and someone just tells them just read your bible more that's i want to make sure that they don't obviously, hear us saying that you, being you need to and obviously there are, it's there the solutions are there but the person in the fog mm-hmm. hears a voice and the voice just says just turn right left then go up four steps and then turn around and go left and then right it's obvious there's the door you're in the fog you know it's just not helpful to hear a voice you need someone to hold your hand mm-hmm. and bring you through mm-hmm. so yeah i got you well and even having even having the hand even like there there comes a time especially with depression where you just feel like i've tried everything and nothing works and all people tell me to do is to leverage the ordinary means of grace Mm -hmm. and i'm trying that and it's not working i think the the two things i would want to say there again this is not a theology podcast we're not pastors but the two things i would want to say there is one it's important to keep doing those because they're food like the person who's struggling with his health who's not eating is not going to get better the person who's struggling with his health who is eating he may actually get better but you're yeah. definitely if you're if you're not feeding yourself if if you're on a three week fast and you have pneumonia, well I, I don't actually know there are probably diseases that you have to not eat during but you know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. 
Um, so, so all of that to say, like, for me, Calvinism was just one of those things where, like, it was it was a weapon that it didn't solve the problem for me. Just like just like scripture reading, it's not going to solve the problem for you. Yeah. But you have to understand that if you don't have that, you certainly can't solve it if the weapon isn't even there. Right. You're not you're not going to overcome crippling anxiety if you don't believe that God is sovereign over all things and He's on your side. And you don't have to be a Calvinist to believe that because I know we have some Arminian listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you, you, you that's God what I'm trying you. to say. God bless you guys and um, hey, gals. What, what I'm trying to say is like just having that doctrine there is helpful and, and you need it. Like it, 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 it cause, cause it, it's not going to be the, the one thing that changes it for you for your whole life, probably, mm-hmm. but you need it. Yeah. Providence is there. I mean, when I, when I don't I, just, I don't just mean Providence. I mean the gospel. I mean like, like, like a real deep understanding of the gospel. I mean, yeah, yeah. go ahead. What have, what sort of tools do you go to? Mm-hmm. Um, to to kind of answer, have an answer for this this issue, this dark guest that right rears its or ugly these head. dark guests, yeah, these dark guests that that rear their ugly heads in your life. So I think, um, well, let me let me talk about first what my pastor did, yeah. um, and and I'm not going to use the names of people just because yeah. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily helpful. Uh, so my pastor, uh, we started meeting weekly ish. Uh, when it, when I was in the thick of it, we were meeting weekly or or more often than that. And, um, one of the things that I kept coming back to was that I didn't, there's, there's a lot here, but one of the things I kept coming back to was that all those promises in the Bible don't apply to me because I am who I am. I'm, I'm useless. Like I'm the one person in the universe that God decided to make, to make everybody else feel useful. Kind of like this podcast. (laughs) Um, Look, I brought I brought levity to a dark place. Woo! One of the things that he kept telling me, and this comes out of the Valley of Vision, he told me it was from Jonathan Edwards. Yes, and it might great. be it might be from Jonathan. Edwards. I have Valley of Vision in my briefcase with me at all times. If I ever get get this way, it's we should but, talk about yeah. we should talk about that. I do I do appreciate Valley of Vision. Um, and one of the lines that he brought out of this was, "Help me to honor Thee by believing before I feel." For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. And this was coming out That's of, so good. for me, so good. when I became a Calvinist, like this, this theological journey for me kept resulting in joy. Like I became a Calvinist. I became more and more convinced of God's sovereignty. I became more and more convinced that God was for me. I became, and, and what was happening along, alongside that was I, was I was fighting sin. I was seeing like real successes over sins in my life that had been, uh, just just plaguing me all my life, and I I was coming to this place where like it was the Christian life was becoming boring again, and I was coming off of this like three year spiritual high, yeah. and and the it's rarely one thing because I already I've already described this as being about my job and being about having a relationship and those were other things that were happening, mm-hmm. but at the same time I was recognizing. I should feel more than I do at church because everybody I know, like, like I'm listening to guys like Matt Chandler preach and I'm like, I can't get that worked up anymore. What is wrong with me? Yeah. I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I say what you want about new Calvinism. I do think there's a, among a lot of the culture, Never mind. I'm not saying that Wayne Grudem teaches this. I'm not saying that John Piper teaches this. So, uh, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. 
that's neither here nor there. But among the culture that I've I've experienced in in various places on the internet, etc., there's a huge emphasis placed on the just just the feelings. Like like worship is kind of a feeling. You know, are are you worshiping? Well, I I couldn't really worship. I didn't. Are I you saying in a good it. way or a bad way? Um, I would say in a bad way. Um, but the fact that you asked that question is interesting. Well, here's what I'm trying to say. I, I know cessationists are good at emphasizing, you know, you guys and your feelings, you charismatics and your feelings. So feelings driven, feelings driven, be that as it may, you guys are mostly right. When you say that feelings are also real. <laughs> feelings are also real. They are. Uh huh. We are made in the image of God and share some, um, emotional commonalities. God doesn't have emotions. He getting, he gets angry and we get angry. He, he doesn't get angry. Okay. I'm completely serious. This is, this is a discussion on the, the, the topic getting, of immutability and impassivity. That would be an after show if we hadn't already gone so long. So what you're saying is that the, the times in the Bible that at least appear that God is displaying some sort of emotion, it's an anthropomorphism. Is that what you're saying? No, it it's because just, it's the wrong, it's, it's wrong to say that God is, that, that these people did X and God is reacting in anger. It is right to say. Well, right. I fought against that, the open theists in college too. You know, I, well, I, I'm with you on no, this. I, I get that. Let me but, start over. Let me, we don't need to fight about this. Let me start over. Let's not, let's not get rid of feelings. They're real. Right. And it's okay to have feelings. No, I, I don't think we should get rid of them either. Yeah. But what I, what I want to say is that like, and you're saying a new Calvinists are too dependent on feelings? Whether or not, I think not all new Calvinists. I just think that it is, it is a part of the culture for preaching the gospel to yourself to result in, to result in certain feelings. And when it doesn't, you kind of, again, feel like is, there's something wrong. Exactly. And per your a quote from the Valley of Vision, I can't remember what it was, but truth before feeling. Right, help me to believe before I feel. Right, an objective right truth. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and I mean, to to be fair, I got this from a new Calvinist, so like I can't say that it is that it is something inherent or. But I've just noticed it a lot. That's all that I'm trying to say. Okay. I've noticed it a lot in the culture, and and it, it definitely infected me. I mean, and, and listening to guys like Matt Chandler, like it's really easy to get emotional when you're listening to somebody like Chandler or Piper. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like we're we're fighting the wrong enemies. You mean each other? No, the what listeners. I'm saying is like new Calvinists and feelings. I just think they're the wrong enemy to be going after. Not that you're going after them exclusively, but putting them the blame at their feet. No, I, I, that's not I, what I. That's not. I, what I, I hope mean. not, because you know I I don't think that new Calvinists, the young, restless, and reformed, whatever the the hell they are. I, I don't think they're relying on their feelings. You're gonna because we have to. We, I don't want to mark the episode as explicit. I, I, I wanted to put a, a sound effect in the show because I missed my sound effects. Um, uh, <laughs> there's so much fun, but you know, I I I hope you're not going there. No, no. And I know that you know that it's okay to feel. It's just a base, uh, an objective truth off of them is where we get into trouble. Yeah. No objective and, truth before feelings. It's to, okay to feel. To their credit, maybe maybe this is just. Maybe this is just, maybe it was just my immaturity. And, and maybe there's just a lot of immaturity among new Calvinists because a lot of them just started to get into doctrine. You know, like, like what I mean by like, not new Calvinists, but new, new Calvinists. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, so, but, but anyway, what I, what I was finding was I was sure I was saved 
Because like, how could I not be? I am so broken over my sin. How could I not be? I am so moved by the cross. How could I not be? I cry every time we get to the chorus of X song. Like, like how, like, (laughs) and when the tears stopped flowing, because I'm not on the emotional high anymore. And I kind of resume normal David. Yeah. Like I was, I was convinced like, this is, is this it for me? Like, am I, am I the, am I one of the, one of the bad soils? Because, and maybe, maybe this has less to do with new Calvinism and then more to do with how I was brought up because like this idea of like, uh, like, like for me, the salvation thing was always this, say the prayer, the say, say the sinner's prayer. But like that always comes with the, with, with the, with the feels, right? Like the, that's why Billy Graham plays the song that he does when, when he has the, uh, what do you call it? The walk up the aisle, SBC guy, you know, altar call. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so for me, so much of my salvation, so much of my, my belief that God was for me was based off of whether or not I was feeling it. Mm-hmm. And Charles Finney doing damage unto this day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, maybe what I mean to say is that new Calvinism doesn't take as active a stance against it as maybe they should. Whereas Presbyterians being cessationist, it's easier for them to speak against it because they don't have to walk as nuanced a line. Like, like you want to say a lot of really positive things about emotions that I just don't care to say. Okay. That maybe they're true, maybe they're not. And, and, think, and that could be, that could be think, something that's wrong with me too. I think that's because of your personality, not your Presbyterianism. That could be true. Or your that confessionalism. Could be true. Uh, uh, confessionals have, confessionals? Confessional people have the same access to joy as I do. That, that is, yes. But joy doesn't always have to feel the same in every circumstance. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think that was something that I was learning. So, um, but that, this, this became really important for me because hearing anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and believing it, believing it for me was an emotion of like, I believe that because I feel that it is true. Right. Yeah. I feel it in my heart. And when I read it and didn't feel it, I was concerned that I didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. And so I now. I needed to learn to draw a, a massive chasm between what I feel and what is true. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the, the other thing that, that goes parallel with this is uh, it comes from uh, Anselm um, who basically said that faith seeks understanding. Uh, I, I believe in order that I may understand. So there, there were, so it's not just, I believe that I may feel it's also, I believe that I may understand, like I might not really understand how this Trinity thing works, but the Bible says it. So I'm going to believe it in order to grow in order to understand it better. So this truth is true regardless of how I feel or how confused I might be. Or even if you believe it or not believe it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even if you forsake it, Mm -hmm. it's still true. Let God be, let God be true though, though every man a liar. Yeah. And and if that's the basis, then it's a much surer foundation, and is uh, has much more greater impact and and uh, applicability to our lives or sanctification than the previous way that you said that emotion kind of drove the drove the ship. Right. Yeah, I I, th- I think I went through that transformation as well. And it's it, it was like it was like literally a ticking time bomb for me to put so much so much stock in emotion because of who I am. Like if you can imagine deciding to go to a restaurant because of what they serve on Tuesdays and you happen to be there on a Tuesday. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, I love this restaurant. You leave it a positive review on Yelp and then you go every other day and it's terrible. Okay. Like that was me. Like, like, like me, I had this emotional high because of so many things going on in my life. And when that emotional high started to go down, I just realized I wasn't standing on anything. I mean, I was like, like, like at my core, I was really standing on scripture, but I had to realize that I had to realize that this faith thing that I have, it needs to be, I need to recognize that faith is rooted in scripture, not in, not in emotions. And the reason I say that's affected my theology a lot is because what it has really meant for me is probably with greater ease than other people when I come to a doctrine that I don't like, mm-hmm. like, like the idea of, uh, oh, what was the one I was going to use here? The Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? Like, like the Sabbath seems really distasteful. Like, you mean that I can't go out to eat on Sundays? You mean that I can't uh, watch TV? I can't, like, like, like you know, I, I can't, I can't take it easy. Like, I, I can't make it a day of rest. It has to be holy rest. And you mean that I can't, you know, get work done on the side. I can't mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. Like, all of those things. It sounds really distasteful to our hearts. Like, I have to give that whole day to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't want to say it like that because <laughs> then you just sound like a jerk. But, um. I, I could see myself thinking those things and, and feeling those things. And I was able to tell myself, well, well, forget it. Like, it, it, like, like ignore that part because let's figure out if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. And then we can figure out, like, let's pretend that it has no consequences. And then, and then once we figure out if it's true or not, we can ask ourselves, okay, now what are, what are the consequences? And that's not to say that nobody else can do that. That's not what I mean at all. But I, I, I've just noticed this about myself. And, and again, like I've said before, it makes it really hard for me to relate to people because I'll just zero in on the topic at hand and mm-hmm. forget that I'm saying something that means pretty heavy things to the person I'm talking to. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really latching on to what you said um, in terms of how to get out of an anxious period, how to get out of a mild depressive period, um, getting out of a spiritual funk really rests on objective truths that are true no matter what I mm-hmm. do with them mm-hmm. or do to them or believe about them. And you can ignore a feeling. Yeah. Like I mean, you can go for a walk and do something else. Feelings betray. Mm-hmm. They've betrayed me many times mm-hmm. and, and feelings are not going to get me out. Like if I feel bad and then, and in order to get out of something, I need to feel good about it. And then I'll know that I got out of it. That's that will it's such a betrayer. Well, and I felt bad for doing things that I now recognize were never sin. Like you can feel bad about drinking alcohol. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like you know, having a beer, just yeah. one beer over two hours. Yeah. You can feel bad about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but whenever I get out of a spiritual depression, ten times out of ten, it's because of something that's true, regardless of mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. That my salvation is secured and kept by Christ and not me. I'm held in God's hand and he's not letting go. You know, stuff like and, that. And he promised. He, he promised and God promised mm-hmm. and he's never going to change. And then why do I believe that's not true sometimes? Mm-hmm. Situationally, functionally, I should say that. And I'm not like actively saying, you know, I'm not like actively declaring these things, but I just is, I, I've, functionally fall into these funks and functionally fallen into a funk. So that, that was, that was one of the things for me. Another thing was, was getting more sleep. Like just like, just that like, was huge. just like that. 
Like, like it was, it was literally like it was the difference between having a sword and not having a sword when somebody's attacking you with a sword. <laughs> okay. Um, wow, I didn't expect you to say that. Like, oh, now, now I push to to go to bed for like close to eight hours at least every every night when possible. Yeah. Like that that turned me into a different person. Yeah. Um, as opposed to wow. aiming for five or six. Yeah. Um. So that's more like a physiological thing you can do for yourself that will aid. Yeah. No, and, and, and like it's 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 the case that like you've said, like we're I think you said this, that we are we're body, we're mind, we're we're soul, like there's a there's a lot yeah. to us and they all affect each other. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like my my sin can affect my health. My health can make it easier for me to sin. Yes, my like there's it's it's all interconnected and you can distinguish, but that doesn't mean that they don't that they don't affect each other. Okay. Um another thing for me has been um I think having depression and anxiety is such close company, like such familiar friends, um, has yeah. made it really easy for me to identify early. Like the other day, I was really frustrated with myself, yeah. like really more frustrated than I've been in a while. And part of it's because of this new job. I was just realizing that like, uh, there's a lot that I have to change about how I do work. Yeah. In terms of the like, just the, the the flow of the work that comes to me. Not everything's due last minute, so there's a lot of planning that I need to yeah. do, and I have no idea how to do that because the only job I've ever had, everything's been on fire, uh, not on fire, but you know what I mean. Everything's yeah. very very short deadlines uh, and and very short heads up on on most of the stuff that I've done most of my career. Yeah, um, and so I was really really frustrated, and I was just like the kind of the kind of negative self talk yeah. as they say these days like just like oh you're such an idiot like yeah. like or or i'm such an idiot and and for me it was just realizing like oh that's a thing that i'm doing i just had a thought and instead of being yeah. triggered into further you know diving into that toilet i <laughs> i decided like i'm just going like like well actually I, this is what i would would have done if sarah hadn't been there she heard me saying these things out loud and she was like uh, David, <laughs> cause she really like, it was hard for her when I was, when I was going through depression, but the, the, the rock bottom period. Yeah. Um, I imagine it would be cause she cares about you. She does, which I mean, I say Weird, that right? to her credit cause it's not easy. <laughs> it ain't easy. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, so she, she kind of helped me, helped me there and was like, I, I really don't like it when you say things about yourself. You're not an idiot. Um, but for me, like, uh, you know, I've, I've had those thoughts run through my head when I'm at work before. And for me, it's just like, I don't have to do this. This is not, uh, uh, like there I I'm, I'm standing on a, on a hill with a toboggan. Yeah. You don't have to do I this. I don't have to get in. Like, you don't, have I to. can go for a walk, think about something else, do something else. I can listen to a podcast. I can chew gum. Yeah. And in five minutes, this is going to be so much easier to deal with. Like, yeah. like I know, I know a lot of people would say, preach the gospel to yourself in that exact moment. And sometimes that is what you need to do. Yeah. But for me, it's just a matter of like, I don't have to think these thoughts. I can yeah. think other thoughts. I'm going to think other thoughts for a while and then think about myself. It's remarkably elementary, the things that you say, but still, it really, like, they are a revelation. <laughs> but once you hop in the toboggan, you better have somebody else there to preach yeah. the gospel to you because you are sliding downhill, downhill and like, like you're going to have a hard time. I'm not saying that it's going to end in the worst depression that you've ever had or, or be as bad as it's ever been. But as soon as you, as soon as you give in there and you say, Oh yeah, I'm just going to think these thoughts. These are, these yeah. thoughts seem, you know, that like the dog fire me. I'm like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good beam. Um, 
so that's that's been huge for me is just and, and even with anxiety too like yeah. like like catching myself thinking I'm two minutes into thinking about what that person thought about the fact that I mispronounced perspicuity and mm-hmm. um I thought you would laugh but you didn't perspicuity 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 and, I'm owning the word now and just telling myself like hey nobody cares this much about you you yeah. do you care this much about you like go for a walk go go do something like this is stupid so that that was a big thing for me was was that realization and i think that that's not to say that nobody has come to this realization and, yeah. and it's not to say that uh nobody else believes this and it's not to again not to say that nobody else can be objective and i mean i i recognize that i'm not perfect at being objective like like that's definitely the case yeah. too that's why we're having this podcast. We're still sinful human beings. Right. Um, but that truth that feelings and understanding do not, they, they shouldn't impede your ability to, to believe what scripture is saying. Yeah. Okay. That understanding hit home for me in a way that fundamentally changed who I am. And I consider it to be one of the most important things that I believe now. It is the one of the most crucial in fact it's probably the universal solution for any type of spiritual depression but but i guess yeah and and what i'm trying to say is like i know that for a lot of people they've come to that conclusion like they've read it in scripture and just believed it because they didn't have a hard time with it like i did but i think that that time of wrestling has made me keenly aware when i'm reading the scripture and i go i don't like this of hey hey flag flag on the play <laughs> yeah 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 uh yeah, argument yeah. add 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 uh your feelings don't matter exactly like like there <laughs> there's just like bells and whistles yeah, like, yeah. uh or when i'm reading a systematic theology or when i'm reading like like that is it, it's something that's really drilled into me and so yeah. that that was kind of the that was the impetus for this episode and i just want to end on a a compassionate note because i never okay. do that this is good. This, um, is, this is growth. I never, I never begin on a passionate note. A compassionate <laughs> note. I never end on a compassionate note. Never have compassionate notes in the middle. I. Uh, this is big. This is growth for David McCookie. But I, what I want to say, you want is, to say, is feelings matter a lot. No, I'm kidding. It's. I'm kidding. <laughs> um. I want to speak specifically. Well, I want to speak broadly to anybody listening who's struggling with these things, and just say, go talk. First of all, if you're not in a good church, like if you're in a church where they're not preaching from the Bible where, where uh, you haven't heard Jesus mentioned in the past three Sundays, <laughs> like find a good Run. church. Uh, you can like, we're not pastors, but feel free to shoot us a tweet or, or, a, or an, or an email. We will send you some, uh, yeah. again, we're, we're really, we, we don't want to go out of our way to become your counselor. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But we'll we'll try to help you find a good church. We'll we'll send you some or or send you somebody who can or or that sort of thing. So like, people care about you. Like God cares about you. Indeed. Um, and and, and hopefully you have pastors who are competent and who care about you. And those are the people that you need to be talking to because they're the people that God charged yeah. with shepherding you, with with helping you. And if you're not in a place where you have good shepherds, you need to find a good shepherd. And if you do have a good shepherd, go go talk to your shepherd. Yeah. Uh, not, not to us, not, don't listen to a bunch of podcasts. You can listen to a bunch of podcasts, yeah. but if you're not talking to your pastor, you really should be doing that. God uses means. And then people who were specifically in my hole, uh, just because right. I think who knows, there might be somebody out there. Right. It, it's not an uncommon hole, the useless feeling. Yeah. Um, the Westminster shorter catechism teaches that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right. And, and, and men 
and women are compelled morally to glorify God. Okay. And that is the most useful thing you can do in the universe. Right. Yeah. And we're all bad at it. You, me, also listener, true. Jim and I, also true. Uh, this podcast, especially we're all <laughs> bad at it because of sin. Yeah. But God has promised that with every temptation, there is a way of escape. He, he, he has promised to give us the Holy spirit to, to overcome the sin that keeps us from glorifying him. And, and he has made each of us capable capable with the spirit's help of glorifying God. And that's a promise. Yeah, like promise. there, there is a real, cause I, I found for me that this issue of like uselessness, it's not addressed specifically by the gospel directly. Like Jesus didn't come. I came so that the people who are, who feel useless can feel like, yeah. that's not to say that the gospel doesn't address it. That's what I'm trying to do right now, but it's not as, as direct. So for me, it was really important to realize that glorifying God is a moral imperative and moral imperatives are exactly what the spirit is sent to help us with. And, and you don't have to feel useless. You don't have to be useless because God already promised to make you more than that it, through, through, through the spirit, through the gospel. Um, but again, go talk to your pastor. <laughs> yeah. No, all good words. Uh, last thing is I want to recommend the book, all of grace beside your pastor. Okay. Spurgeon wrote a short book called all of grace. You can find it online for free. Mm-hmm. We'll link to it in the show notes. All right. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Let's do uh, pay attention to the show notes today. There's some good stuff in there. So many links. I'm going to reform, re- link to Reform Scholasticism. Uh, wow, why? Which is where I got that Anselm thing ah, from. Right. I mean, okay. you could also read Anselm, but... Okay. Yeah. An introduction to Reform Scholasticism. That'll be yeah. the show title. Probably the first and last useful episode we'll have, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it useful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week for Bye. another exciting episode of... The latest form of vlogging. Bye.